to SOS, aka Success Over Struggles, where you'll discover ways to push through challenges, plus insights from amazing professionals in different career paths and their struggles face. Guys, welcome again to SOS Success Over Struggles. I'm your host, Chase Pack, and we also have, of course, Joshua Pacheco, your co-host here. There you go. So today, Josh, we have quite uh, an awesome guest to join us. Isn't that right? We do. My goodness. Yeah, it's fantastic. Guys, let me just give you a little hint of what's going on here. All right. So this is quite the introduction here, but we have... Neil Faki joining us. He is part of the UK Paralympian, Paralympic team. And mind you this, he is a 12-time world champ as well as a three-time medalist. Neil, it's a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I don't usually get a fanfare when I arrive on, on podcast, so that was quite an entrance. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, man. We love well, like, we we like that here at <laughs> But... Anyways, uh, this episode, I'm, I'm really thrilled to have you because you've been through quite a bit and just really understanding perseverance and being able to shift gears, right? So tell us how that's like. Like, how did you decide to get into the Olympics? One, because you grew up, you know, a runner. So how did that transition into that? Did, was it for running yeah. or what? Yeah, so, I mean, running, so track and field was my my hobby growing up it was just a hobby um and i just compete locally that was my my sport i thought i love that freedom simplicity of just going as fast as you can you know it's just something I, I enjoyed um and then it was kind of in my early 20s that um i've always had a visual impairment so i can't see particularly well and it's something i've grown up with um i got it passed on from my mum it's a degenerative condition so it gets gradually worse over time oh. it was in my early 20s that I got uh, essentially went for an eye test to see I always thought my eyesight was quite good because I didn't know any different but I got tested and they said you know your eyesight is bad enough you could be considered a Paralympian so an athlete with a disability and it's something I never really considered before and suddenly kind of opened up this dream that ah maybe I could pursue this um whereas I'd always kind of struggled a bit running kind of keeping in my lane things like that it was just bit tricky to see I never kind of realized that this was something for me and yeah I pursued that decided to become a a full-time athlete as I kind of went through my 20s and um, just just made it by the skin of my teeth onto the the GB team for the the Paralympic Games in 2008 which has gone back a few years um, in Beijing and China so that was more of the running made it onto that team okay yeah so I was a one and 200 meter runner um you know, I was doing okay. I made it to the games, but I was never was going to be a... How was that, though, your first games in Beijing? Tell us about that, mm-hmm. you know, that experience and then going into what happened after. Yeah, it's um, it's just surreal, to be honest. Like, I, it's not... It was nothing I ever dreamt of, even as a mm-hmm. child, was being able to compete at that level. I never thought it was something possible for me. Um, so it never been on the radar. And the interesting thing with the Paralympics is we compete usually two weeks after the Olympic Games in the same venue and everything. So I, I watched it on TV, the Olympics beforehand, 
and that was the year that Usain Bolt burst onto the scene, broke every world record oh. known, and you know, and he was running on the track that I would be competing on in the same events I was doing in just two weeks' time. So I watched that and thought, you know, if this is just half as good as as that, then it's going to be incredible. And I arrived and just instantly realized how massive the Paralympic Games were. You know, I walked into the village where all the athletes stay and just surrounded by these buildings with huge flags draped from them. There's athletes from all across the globe, all with different disabilities, this incredibly diverse place. Yeah. And I just fell in love with it. Yeah, just just mind-blowing. Um, and then there are the venues. I was competing at a 90,000-seater stadium. You know, it's not something I'd ever experienced in my life. So just uh, just inspiring. Um, in terms of how I got on, I finished ninth in both my events with a top eight making the final. So I just missed out in both the one and two hundred meters. And that was mm. disappointing, but not unexpected. Um, you know, I as I say, I was never going to be a world beater, but I made it there. I fell in love with the Paralympic Games. And in four years' time, the Games were coming to Great Britain, uh, the London Games in 2012. So yeah. I just fell in love with the Paralympics and thought, I might have a chance of competing at a home games. That's pretty special. So that was my dream. And, you know, from, um, from there, it was a, a case of I've got, to, I've got to find a way to improve because I just made this team by the skin of my teeth. And they, um, were they giving you grief about that too? Or were they saying, hey, look, you got to do something better to shape up and make this team for 2012? Yeah, it, it was kind of initially, there, there were kind of rumblings that, as a whole team, we hadn't performed that well. Um, so there was a lot of unhappiness with the coaching team and things. And a lot of changes happened when we came home. And two weeks after I got back, I got a phone call from my manager at UK Athletics, I assumed to, to discuss the plans going forwards. And, and yeah. she said to me, we don't think you've got the potential to make it to London and we're terminating your contract with immediate effect. And in that oh, instant, hey. the dream was done. You know, that was it over. Um, and this year that had been promised so much where I'd become a Paralympian and it was just suddenly, I just felt empty that had been ripped away from me this opportunity. And it was quite interesting. I went through that kind of a typical grieving process where initially I blamed everyone else. Like, why don't you see the potential in me? Why haven't you got more out of me? And I had to go through that for a while before I started looking more inwards and realizing, oh, maybe, maybe it's me that needs to change. Um, and I went through a bit of a low spell, a bit of a, a depression, to be honest, where I had no motivation to do anything. I was applying for jobs, couldn't get a job either. had no income at all. It's kind of a definitely dark moment in a sense, like, oh man, here is London coming at me. Yeah. I want to be there. What's going on? And, and trying to apply for jobs and all this happening. Yeah, exactly. And getting turned away for jobs. Often the question being asked was, how do you think your disability is going to affect you in the workplace? And that was the first time I'd realized that, oh man, that, that's an issue as well, apparently. And just felt like the whole world was kind of on top of me at that point. But so, this is interesting um, because yeah. you saw an opportunity that many people would take as a, a, a devastating blow to their life, right? I mean, you saw a disability, but you took at the beginning that disability and a passion you had in running and you saw an opportunity with it, right? Um, which I think is, is key, right? Uh, in, in, in a struggle and in, in confronting problems, you know, that, that arise in our life. And then you came in and said, you know what, I'm going to make something out of this. 
um, and, and you went for it. I mean, it, whether or not you made it where you wanted to, you, you made it to, to, to an Olympic event, right? And then you're saying that then years later, that, that hope that you had put into it got ripped from you, right? Um, uh, and yeah. so, so then now this is where it gets interesting because from here you decided now you're looking for jobs, not things aren't working out and you took this to the next level. It's like, okay, I, I got to do something about this. You're not going to yeah. let this take you over. What happens next, Neil? What happened? Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I kind of went through that low, like I said, and yeah. I can't really remember for what reason, but one morning I woke up and that spark in my head of, I want to make it to the London games just was a bit brighter than it had been. Um, and I just thought the thought of watching on television just would be horrific I, I couldn't face that I need to find a way to just try and make it to those games so I, I got on my computer and I researched every event for athletes with a visual impairment at London and I thought I'm going to try every single one of these sports till I find one that maybe I'm just going to be good enough at that I've got a chance of making the team like I didn't think it was a realistic chance but I mm -hmm. thought I've got to try otherwise I'm never going to forgive myself um, by pure chance cycling was a sport I'd really loved growing up it was something that I did when I was young when my eyesight was better and I always watched the sport and loved it and we were quite successful in in Great Britain with cycling as well particularly at the Beijing Games where the team won almost every event going Jeez. so you know we're really aware of the team at that point but I was still at that very low point um like my self-esteem was pretty low so I didn't want to just call up the British cycling team and say, hey, you know, I've been to a, a, a games before, I've been an athlete, can I come and have a go? I thought, <laughs> I can't really justify doing that. So I called my, my nearest velodrome, which is the indoor track that we, we ride on in cycling, um, which happened to be, it's a velodrome, um, which oh, is a French word, so it's a velo being bike, um, which is a, it's just kind of, it's a wooden track with real steep bankings at either side so that you can cycle around at speed um, and get around the, the corner. So it's, it's 250 meters, which I know you guys don't use meters much, but uh, I don't know if I can convert that easily, but it's quite a small tight track. And my nearest indoor track was like seven hours away. Um, but I called them up and I said, you know, can I have a go in the track? And they said, sure, we have these things called taster sessions. Anyone from the public can come and have a go. And do you want to do you want to sign up for a session next week? And I, I just said, yeah, sure, why not? And I put the phone down, and then I realized, like, oh man, I I didn't tell them I can't see very well. Um, should I call them back and let them know? And I thought, yeah, they might not let me have a go. So you know what? I'm just gonna just gonna go for it. And I made my way down there the next week, got on a bike, and just made sure I stayed well away from everyone else. And I, I wobbled my way around the track and. I got that sense again of like freedom of just going as fast as you can. I loved it. Um, but that was it. I'd done the session and I was just about to leave to go home. I had my bag on, which still said Beijing 2008 on the back and someone oh, really? spotted it. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm living on past glories, you know? Yeah. And this guy saw the bag and he, he kind of waved me over and said, asked me about the games. And he said, Oh, I've, I've been to the Olympics. I went to, to Sydney in 2000 and I've just switched over from, from the Olympic team to the Paralympic team. And, I'm what's known as a pilot. So I ride on the front of a, a tandem bike, a bike for two people. And, and what I need is a visually impaired rider to go on the back with me. Do you happen to know anyone? And I took about 
I don't know, like half a second to say, yeah, I know a guy here. Yeah, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. <laughs> That's wild. And just like that, Talk you know, just opportunity, man. Yeah, it's just, you know, I often say, it, obviously, it's it's luck that I, I met this guy and it, it fast tracked everything for me, but I'm kind you of a big advocate. There's yeah, no you, you got to put reason. yourself in the right place, don't you? That's it. So. <laughs> So yeah, things fast track from there, and um, you know, as you alluded to in the introduction, it's I've had a pretty successful career to date. So it was a good move in the end. <laughs> I'd say so. It was it was a for sure good move, right? It was twelve time world championships, three three time medals. Uh, so yeah, let's dive into some of that because shifting from running all of a sudden to you know making the cycling team and just crushing it out of the park. How how was that for you just all of a sudden getting this you know loads more attention and realizing like wow I'm actually really good at this this is me yeah like obviously I was a well-trained athlete so I was in good shape anyway when I, I went to try out which which helped with that quick progression but you know I, I said before that I'd, I'd only just made the team in athletics and I realized I needed to make changes and the interesting thing when I walked in on the first day once I'd, I'd been selected for the GB team in cycling I walked in and whereas I was used to training on my own back in my hometown, the program there is centralized. So all the best riders from across the country come together to this one, one velodrome. I walked in day one and I was really early and I sat down ready waiting for the session. Then in walked Chris Hoy, who's an absolute legend in our country, a multiple yeah. Olympic gold medalist. Then in walked Jason Kenny, who just won Olympic gold as well. And just people were coming up the stairs, like one after the other, who were all these Olympic champions. And I'm like, whoa, this is mind-blowing yeah. so I just used the next few months like I watched everything they did I tried to emulate what they did um and it's incredible like that shift of being around people who are successful that like, you don't want to be left behind so my rate of progression was incredible and it was actually November 2009 so just after a year after I lost my my funding from UK athletics mm. I got the opportunity to race in the world championships and I had no idea what level I was at really um it was a bit unexpected but i went there and raced and came away with with two gold medals broke two <laughs> world records and it was just in, in dreamland you know like i was just hoping to find a sport that might be i might be good enough at to make it to london i never intended to suddenly be the best in the world at something it was just just unreal so yeah it was so quick um and i'd love to say it's all been easy since then but of course there have been ups and downs and things and i've lost plenty of races as well but you know that that change was just huge yeah incredible and it's definitely uh surreal and and very uh amazing impressive what you're able to do and then i can't even imagine thank you for taking us through that first experience the world championship and realizing like okay well maybe i'll place and then winning you know and breaking some records quite phenomenal uh next question though you know with earn your stripes you, you mentioned about and you have this uh fire within you to do well in business. And I feel this correlates with sports. Um, yeah. Tell us so, about that. How do you, because we're all in business, you know, there's a lot of people, uh, everyone uses certain different techniques. Any industry needs it. So tell us how the sport correlates with, with all of us and the listeners out here. Yeah. So I've just realized over the years, like this kind of came about and, and back in 2016 at the Rio games, um, Mm -hmm. where I, I went into that event as a huge favorite to win. Uh, I'd gone undefeated for four years coming into that. 
but on that given day, I wasn't good enough and I came away with silver, which sounds great. But to me, it was this huge crushing low again, yeah. this defeat where I expected to win. And at that point, I started to wonder if I was coming towards the end of my cycling career. So I started exploring what I have to offer the world, started reading a lot more books about personal development and podcasts, all sorts of things. And I'd heard these things that people were talking about. And I thought, yeah, and I've, I've learned how to do that. I know, I know how to, to strategize, to, to be the best at something. I know how to stay there. I know how to have the right mindset to achieve. And I kind of realized, yeah, I've learned all these skills without even really realizing it over this sort of long sporting career now of over a decade. And there's a lot in sport in this real high pressure situation that mimics business. So, you know, it's ultra competitive. The world's always improving. You have to be faster, stronger in business as well as sport if you want to stay at number one in the world uh, or even just to, to get noticed above the crowd. And I just realized these huge crossovers. So that's when I just started kind of putting ideas on paper and, and realized that perhaps there was a, a book in this of all these things I'd learned. And that's why I, I kind of wrote uh, Earn Your Stripes, the book. And I realized there were kind of five key areas that you need in order to be successful, whatever it is you do. Um, first of all, it's a drive. So having that motivation or finding your why, because without that, you just, you can't push yourself every single day, which you need to do. There's the performance element, which is like the, the strategizing, the, the nuts and bolts about how you get from where you are now to, to where you want to be. There's the team of having those experts around you. Because in sport, you know, like we stand on the podium often alone, but there's this huge team of experts who are behind us. Like I've got coaches, physiologists, nutritionists, all kind of experts who are yeah. giving their expertise to me so I can perform at the best of my ability. And I think we need that in whatever industry we're working in. Then there's that thing I talked about. Oh, Go on, yeah, sorry. No, you're good. I was going to say, it's almost like with that, mentors, in a sense. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that, that's why I got, like I say, when I walked in first day to British Cycling, were these people who were above and beyond where I was at that stage, and I could, could work with them. I could ask them questions, and having those people around is so important if you can get them. Um, then there's the mindset about, you know, because your motivation comes and goes every day like even as an athlete there's days I wake up and I just look at my training program and I think oh man not again you know my body hurts I just don't want to do this today and then you know I go into the gym and see all these other guys who are smashing it and you think oh man this is so hard but you have to have that mindset to be able to perform every day otherwise you get left behind so that's something I've, I've developed over the years and then that ability to perform when it really matters on the big stage which again to any industry if you can do it day in day out that's great but if you crumble under the pressure when it really counts then you're kind of forgotten about especially as an athlete you know if you don't perform on the big day then you're a nobody so there are these five areas that I, I realized as I say and and I wrote the book which has, has loads of stories from my career and the ups and downs a couple that I've shared with you today and yeah I think it's, it's really applicable to anyone that you know if you have the right mindset the right motivation then you're capable of achieving if not your your dreams, certainly far more than than you think possible. That's key, Neil. That's key, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned because I was going to say that that all the whole story from the beginning just shows that we all, in order to no matter what struggle comes, mm -hmm. it's all about the mindset, and that's kind of like the the, the rearching thing, right? You know, it, it, it's it's not what you're presented with, but how you react, 
and your mind's towards that that action and, and like you 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 had that dream you had that that goal and you found a way to do it not not the way the way you expected it but that's that's how you you you, you accomplished this because you wanted it and you, and you pursued it man and uh that's that's key neil that's what we all need a reminder of that man yeah it's nice to get that reminder from yourself as well so thank you but, <laughs> but oh yeah absolutely <laughs> It's, I mean, it's so easy to, it's, you're right, it's how you react to these, these knockbacks. And the good thing about being involved in sport is you get knocked back like almost every day. You get defeated in some way, whether it's a race, whether it's in the gym, you fail to lift a weight or someone else beats you. You know, it happens all the time. So you actually become hardened to it. But I appreciate in some industries, people aren't necessarily hit with those losses. And I think that's something that just yeah, almost toughens you up. But it doesn't make it any easier to, to lose. It just makes it easier to, to pick yourself up each time, which dust yourself off and, and off you go again, which I think is the key to, to any success. No one's done it without being knocked down. A hundred percent, Neil. And I mean, I think it's, it's actually more, more realistic than you think. I mean, Chase and I are, are both in, in, in sales and full time and we get hit every day with a no or something. Right. Um, uh, and, uh, and, you know, even someone that it's at the grocery store, I mean, you drop things, you know, you have a, cl- a customer that yells at you, you know, so it, it really doesn't matter the, the, the variety, you're always going to get something that, uh, that that gets you down and you said it yourself, right? Well, we all have to find a way to just push through that and get back up. So thank to, you so much. Uh, to conclude, Definitely. sorry, to conclude, Neil, um, seriously, been amazing having you on the show with us today, talking about all this, going into Earn Your Stripes, going into what what you've been through and what you've accomplished. Uh, what's one last thing you can tell the listeners in a sense of, because your mindset is phenomenal, right? Of how to get this mindset and continue, you know, trekking along. And because you mentioned finding your passion definitely plays a role in that, but like how, you know? <laughs> yeah. So one of the, it's kind of a, a little takeaway for F1, that one of the key things I learned to do from an early ish point in sport when I started in cycling was how important like self-talk is so that kind of inner monologue in your head that you use um and something I started using was just having a, a saying or a mantra that I repeated to myself um which would kind of snap my focus back where it needed to be so when I was targeting getting to the London Games in, in 2012 I just kept saying to myself when I was struggling in training London 2012 and I'd say it to myself, I'd remind myself, and instantly my focus would be like, that's my goal, of course it is. So I'd be, you know, switching sports. I was trying to learn how to, to ride a bike properly. And <laughs> you know, the training was hard, it was tough. And the amount of times I'd be on the bike, my legs were burning. And I think, ah, it's, all you got to do is stop pedaling and the pain goes away. But that's, that's when I tell myself, London 2012. 2012. Um, and that's where, where my, my book title, Earn Your Stripes, came as well. Because in cycling, when you become a world champion, you get a a jersey with stripes across it which is yeah. the same color as the olympic rings so earn your stripes became my saying as well for many many years i still use it to this day and it just inspires me all the time so i think just find yourself one of those things that reminds yourself of your goal whatever it is like so important and if you have to say it out loud fine do it whatever it takes just find a way to, to keep yourself in the game love that thanks thanks for sharing that guys go out there and earn your stripes as neil would say yeah uh Lastly, where can we go about finding you? You know, the book, is it, is it on Amazon? Where can people buy this Earn Your Stripes book? Because it is impressive. 
Yeah, the book's on Amazon. Um, you can search Earn Your Stripes. It should show up. Certainly if you search my name, uh, Neil Fahey, that's F-A-C-H-I-E, then, then you can find it there. I'm on social media as well. My name's unusual, so you can find me pretty easily. Um, <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. The, the audio book's out there as well, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean... Phew. Unique Any question? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean the name is is unique, and yes, as a, as as an athlete, yeah, I like to think I've done all right. So, yeah, any questions any of you guys have got, if you want to see me on social media, on Twitter, on on LinkedIn, wherever it might be, Instagram, and yeah, send me a message. I'm more than happy to connect with anyone. Fantastic. There you have it, guys. Thanks so Thanks. much for listening to Success Over Struggles. We really appreciate you guys. Isn't that right, Josh? Absolutely, Chase. We would not be here without all of you. Continue pushing through your challenges on your path towards success. And please don't forget to hit the subscribe button here on the podcast, YouTube, or Instagram. We know everyone says this, but seriously, there's so much more to come and it'll keep getting better. Lastly, feel free to write us a review. And if you feel that there's a super interesting story you'd like to share with the world, DM us. There's a good chance you'll be on the show. 